Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Fight is back. Here we are sitting here in our bat cave. Actually, I don't know <laughs> if this is really a bat cave. It's more like a cookie cave. Not tonight. Go. Not no tonight. Cookies. It's not a cookie cave. But I'm um, one of your hosts, David. And with me as always. I'm Heidi. And I'm going to try really hard not to like cough through this entire podcast. Well, you can cough. Just cough not directly at me if, <laughs> if possible. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I don't. I'm sure that I'm no longer contagious. But um, I'm definitely not at the 100% mark. Well, we had missed you last week, Heidi, and I started off the podcast saying, alone again, naturally. <laughs> I'm well, just kidding. I'm- I felt like, you know, it didn't seem like you guys missed me that much. Well, we missed you for a long time that you were unable to be with us on the podcast because we were hoping, here's the thing, we were expecting you to be here, but you got really sick. Obviously, you're just now starting to recover. So we're missing, 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 missing Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Okay, she's not buying it. Okay, we didn't really miss you that much. Actually, Heidi. if you would have told me that you guys were going to talk about pornography, I would have faked, faked the sick. Well, that's why I'm actually faking that we miss you right now, because I don't think we could have had the same conversation no. if you were here. No. So we we missed you personally, but as far as the podcast goes, it was probably worked out good that you happened to be sick when we chose that topic. Actually, so. I thought the episode was amazing. Big, big props to Brandon, and I hope that now he'll finally have some empathy for me, you know, for once. For for how uncomfortable it is. No, I was clearly I've been modeling for Brandon mm, how to is. truly share and showcase your shame because yeah. he did such a great job. How to frame your shame? Hello, <laughs> frame the shame. That's right. That's right. And so he um, he did an amazing job. And so if you're listening now and you haven't listened to. The our last episode was episode thirty five. Is that what it was? Um, that we named pornography two point uh, Make sure that you listen because it was a a very different take than you would have gotten from me, or that would have been possible coming from me. Um, and as we talked about, actually, in our porn- our first pornography episode, which I'm not sure what number that was, but. Our first pornography episode, um, we talked about how pornography and pornography addiction can even be a more significant, stigmatized, more serious shame even than, um, yeah, that was episode 21, more shame than even the suicide. And, you know, I think what to, to have somebody come in here and talk about that it's just not something that anybody wants to own up to um and so I'm very thankful for Brandon and impressed and um I'm not sure how you 
motivated him. But <laughs> tricked him, you mean? <laughs> there you go. Something, something for sure. Yeah. Um, no, actually, Brandon was brave, and I said, "Hey, this is what I want to talk about today." And it was the movie that he and I both went and saw together. So I said, "You got a choice here. You can either jump on in Heidi's place and talk me with me about the movie, or you can just take a pass." And well, said, and and I know that Brandon also, like in all of his effort, he helps you a lot. He donates tons of his time. He supports tons of people because he is passionate about trying to trying to help people because he know he does know where it comes from, and um, you know. So I relate a lot to that, you know, on that level. So anyway, big thanks to you, Brandon. Yes, thank you, Brandon. And Heidi decided tonight. Because uh, last week I did not clear her approval to have that episode and I just went for it. <laughs> um, she said she's not going to share anything with me about what we're going to talk about tonight. So I, this may be the last word you hear from me tonight. <laughs> she just may be the Heidi Swap light the glitter show fight. No, you are going to be oh, stepping up. To, You're going to step Okay, up. I wasn't sure. I thought you said, I got something I want to talk about. I go, all right, well, I'll just shut up and listen then. So kind of hoping I could take a nap. Well, actually, no. It's right along with um with what happened last week last week and um a little bit of my own perspective. So, after I listened to the episode, I did take the time to watch the documentary that um was made by Okay, Fight the New Drug. Fight the new drug. So, Porn Kills Kills Love is also what they yeah, it's one of their it's, slogans. That's one of their, it's yeah. one of their okay. slogans. Okay, so these guys, and if you don't happen to be from Utah, and I'm sure they do in other places, but they nationwide they've been go around, around the and they do these presentations for schools. And in fact, I'm really good friends with one of the presenters. Um, and a couple years ago, he um, he's actually married to my daughter's drill coach. So somebody that was really close to my family, and he was turning 30 years old, had two little kids, and came out to his wife and to the entire community's family and told everybody that he had a pornography addiction. And he took some really serious and drastic measures to stand up to his addiction and to own it and to overcome it. Now he travels with... Um, fight the new drug and does presentations and in the beginning so this is like you know two and a half ish years ago three years ago um I the stigma was very big I was like wow look at this guy who his wife is coaching 30 something girls you know brave it was and she stood by him and championed his efforts. And he, I mean, one of the things that he did was put these enormous bike chains, these enormous chains on his bike, and he rode across the United States, and he camped out every single night because he he was proven to himself. He's proven to others. He, he wanted to be seen. He wanted people to know. He wanted to own it. Um, it really impressed me. And anyway... That's kind of a side note, but I spent some time watching this three-part series, which number one, the first part, 
and and I won't talk about it too much. I I really really encourage you as a mom, as a woman, as a human, as a family member, as a community member. I encourage you to watch it. Um, I encourage you to watch it with your family. I encourage you to encourage your friends and talk to them about it. There is so much understanding that comes from this this movie. Um, and the first part, it's really um, talks about the nuts and bolts of what happens. In the second part, you really see what happens to families. And in the third part, which is very enlightening um, and sickening, disturbing to see um, people and and how this uh, combination of sex trafficking and pornography. And I happen to be very involved with OUR, which is another organization that has their offices right here by us. It's called um, Operation Underground Railroad, and they fight against sex trafficking. And um, I think that it's always easy to think, oh, this is happening in other countries and far away, not in our community. Um, The perspective that this movie put on it was just very, hit very close to home. Um, And if any of you, like, and David mentioned this, Elizabeth Smart um, was in it and her her input was very powerful. Anyway, one of the things that you said in the episode last week was that somebody at the screening that you went to said, you know, would you, what age would you show this to kids? Because that third part gets talking about the reality of what kids see or or what people see um, in pornography and how it influences real life situations. Anyway, um, you said, I think it's better to be the one that exposes them or tells them or educates them rather than letting it be the world. And uh, right, I said, they're either going to hear it from you or the world. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> I think there's a part of it that's like, well, I don't really want to. I don't really want to be the one. Just roll the dice, see what the world has to say. Right, right. So I kind of wanted to bring up this topic at at least a little bit. Um, Something happened in my life this last week that may have... um, Let me know that maybe I don't want the... Maybe I don't want the world being the one that leads, leads with information for my kids. And um, I think the statement that I want to make is that our kids know more than we think. They're probably exposed younger and know more, whether they understand it, whether they get really what it is, than we probably know. Um, and, and I, you know how much I hate the M word. And um, for those of you who haven't wa- listened to episode 21, <laughs> the last episode, um, the M word I'm talking about is masturbation. That was really brave of me. Thank you, everyone, for me saying it. <laughs> Sorry if I laugh at your bravery, but continue. <laughs> um, okay, so we had a circumstance 
with our elementary aged son. And um, it involved something called No Nut November. Brandon's laughing because obviously he knows what that is. I'm laughing too, just for the record. Brandon, yeah. These guys are all, yeah, ha, 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 super funny. I didn't say it's funny. I'm just laughing that you're bringing <laughs> the it up. The 46-year-old mother yeah. had no idea. Just for the record, also, Eric didn't know what that meant either. So both of us were like, okay. But he had a lot more, like, edge up on guessing. Okay? I don't even know if I want to be the one that has to explain this. But I did get an Urban Dictionary and get a, a nice clarifying description. That's where you find the resource for all important information. <laughs> and you guys, I mean, right now, as I talk about this, like my heart literally hurts in my chest because fifth graders nah, I know. Yeah. were talking about this and joking about it and asking each other and challenging each other if they were still a legend. And asked this to my son, Connor. And, you know, just so just so that we can all be on the same page because isn't this fun, right? Um, and I guess, I mean, I could even just go so far as reading this just right off of Urban Dictionary because I just happen to have it here. I, actually, I might have. No, I I looked at something since. Anyway, basically... Um, I can pull it up real quick. <laughs> no Nut November is a challenge given to... For a man to not have any sex or any masturbation or to ejaculate at all. Wow! Am I ever proud of myself for... Um, okay, here it is. No Nut November. By the this... way, she was proud of herself that she said those words and that <gasps> thousands of people are now going to hear those words. But Heidi, you're, you're doing good, Heidi. Keep going. I don't know if I can even read this. Want me to read it? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Why don't you just... I mean, I already said the M word and the E word and... Okay, no, not November. This is the month where you can not ejaculate or bust a nut under any circumstances. That's <laughs> urban I mean, terminology for <laughs> ejaculation. You have to go 30 days without doing it. The event determines the willpower and strength of the human male's mind and body combined. The rules of uh, No Nut November are as follows. You cannot have sex, masturbate in any way, shape, or form. Watching pornography and having an erection are allowed, but you can't ple pleasure yourself. <coughs> you are only allowed one wet dream. What? I've never read this word. If you have more than... Yeah, like you tell your you subconscious... Guys, this is what yeah. a fifth grade... You're... You're only allowed one wet dream. If you have more than one, then consider yourself out. You do not have three strikes. Um, you only have one shot at it. If you miss it, you're out. If you have passed the month with a total of zero, um, you are a victor and you shall qualify for destroyer. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. No, no, no. Let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Here's my realization. Um, I'm going to tell you this. I was not home when uh, my two kids, my two youngest kids, came home 
and there had been some joking and between their two friend groups that were in mixed company, girls and boys, um, challenges and questions and, you know, are, are you, are you still in and this type of conversation. And neither of my kids knew what they were talking about. Um, but my son was playing along. He's he's going to be a legend no matter what, right? Like, and it, he didn't really know what that meant. And you don't want to be out of the know, so he's probably just going along with it. Right, yeah, sure. right. And so then my daughter comes home, who happened to also not know what was being talked about, but felt very uncomfortable. And both of them, in a uniformed way, uniform being they both questioned Eric and put him on the spot and asked him what it was, at which point... He took a deep breath and taught them. And, um, or shared with them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, and he taught them, taught them how, how crude. Oh, okay. Cause and, he taught them what, it, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, he, he said, you know, I'm really glad your mom's not here because I wouldn't want to talk about this. You know, I would never talk about this in front of my mom. I would, you know, you would never joke about this is not something that you joke about and 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 just kind of and and trust me when they found out what it was um i'm sure they and they were very embarrassed like, oops yeah never mind just kidding yeah. we you know anyway here's my point my point is this um as i was sitting there watching the movie and and these three different parts and thinking you know that some of this stuff is hard to talk about with kids, even a teenager, um, let alone a t a, an 11-year-old or a 10-year-old. Um, the people, the individuals in the movie were all saying that they were seeing pornography at age 10 or, young, you know, as, as young as age 10. Um, I had a conversation with my brother who talked about, or the No Not November conversation with my brother, who talked about the things that he learned in fourth grade. So... My, my point is that we can actually have these conversations with our kids um, and controlling, and not probably not controlling, but being able to offer um, the information in a way that is, has a reverence, has a respectfulness about it, um, and is on our terms is something that watching a documentary like this, having conversations like this, will create a power and an understanding that doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm trying to be cool and I'm trying to, you, you know. Anyway, so I kind of wanted your thoughts on on this situation as um, I, I, th I think it's a very real challenge. So f frame it in a, in a question, though, because you said a whole lot in my thoughts. On <laughs> I, I know you, and I know you're wanting me to specifically weigh on one part of it. Like, So what exactly are you referring to? When is it too young to talk to your kid about something like this without feeling like, okay, I don't want to spark so much creative curiosity that I want them to go figure out what I'm talking about? Or, like, when do you open up this conversation of very crude 
and very horrible things. Um, in the movie, in the documentary, they're talking a lot. And TBH, guys, I do not watch porn. I have never watched a, a porn movie. Um, and so this violence and all these things they're talking about, I don't know. And it's even more scary because you haven't had any experience. No? And, and someone... I'm thinking, you know, there was a, a friend of mine that was telling me that her son stumbled upon something that I don't think he meant to do. She doesn't think he meant to do. A young child, a third grader, something very, very violent. And she did have, she did watch it because she wanted to know what he saw. Um, when, <laughs> how do you not create so much curiosity that they want to go figure it out? But you have a conversation, and and when should that happen? And is that too many questions? Probably. Well, going back to what you said, you talked about our our kids are going to learn something that I mentioned in the last podcast. Our kids are going to learn from the world, or they're going to learn from us. Obviously, they can't learn everything from us, and obviously, the world may give them information, but they may not be able to have a conversation with where they get that information. All right, like, throwing out phrases that nobody really knows what it means, but because the cool kids are saying it, then you yeah. say it as well. Like you can look up at Urban Dictionary, but you can't have a conversation with Urban Dictionary and ask more detailed questions. It's not like a back and forth. It's just, oh, there's information. That's what it means. Now I know what my friends are talking about. Because this is what I wanted to say. Uh, we just don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, going off what I said it's better for them to hear it from us than the world. Let's just use this this case because with your son in fifth grade, right? So he's what, 11, he's, 12, going to be 12, 11? He's, it, his friends are 10. He's 11. He's, he's 11, a little okay. older. So most, and I, I'm trying to do a quick, like in my own experience, and not just from the movie, but it's something about that age 10. A lot of it has to do with the biology. A lot of it has to do with um, that's preteen. Um, curiosity does not lessen at age 10. It's only increased at age 10. And you said before, you know, in this situation, your kids want to, they're kind of going along with it because they don't want to act like they don't know. Mm -hmm. and that makes sense. But if we're going to talk to our kids about these types of conversations, we need what light, what um, what fight the new drug did in this documentary, and we need other resources that can add to what I've talked about in other podcasts. What I call informed consent. The scare tactics, the shame tactics of so scaring someone like you can't watch this; it's going to ruin your life. It's this, that, and this, and that, and the other. Well, you know, some kids may that may work with, and other kids may go hmm. Right. Really? Why are you so against that? Because you're against something else that I like, like my favorite video game. You may be against Fortnite so passionately, and they're going, man, you're acting the exact same way about pornography as you're about Fortnite. Let me check this out. Right. And that's what you're saying you don't want to have happen, and nobody wants to have that happen. The challenge with, and this isn't just new for today's world, I think it's just amplified with the access to so much more information at our fingertips with our smartphones and computers. We don't... We never really know everything that's being communicated at certain age groups between friends. 
But I think it's safe to assume whatever we think they're talking about, they're talking about that and probably a little to a lot more. Sometimes people like to live in a naive state of, oh, you know, my little kid, you know. I love that. Yeah. That, that's Naive state. That, that's, you know, the walls are padded. Everything's nice and fluffy. And you may have a kid who is oblivious and who has really no social connections at school and is all by themselves. Well, then you're going to have other issues with that child. But most likely you're going to have children at a very young age hear things from other kids. Because think about your childhood. All of you listeners out there, think about your childhood. When you're growing up, there was that one kid. There was always that one girl. There's always that one boy. Now, I'm not going to say their names, but the word got out really quickly. These couple girls, when I was young, were doing things that were unheard of. And then the boys were saying, oh my gosh, this happened. What? And like it was unheard of that a girl would be doing these things with a boy when we'd only heard about those things. We didn't know that someone of our own age was going through these things. And then same things with... We all knew that kid. There was always that, you know, when I say crazy, I don't mean like crazy. There was always that wild boy who pushed the envelope, who was a squeaky wheel, got away with murder in class because they were just so, they're so out there that the teacher didn't have enough energy to discipline them on every single thing. Those kids say outlandish things in class. What do you think they're saying out in the playground? Mm -hmm. PG things? No. I was at my daughter's old school um, last year um, visiting. And on the playground, saw a girl, about, probably probably about fourth grade, was lifting up her shirt and showing boys on the playground and then laughing. And the boy's like, okay, do it again, do it again. I looked at her. I said, stop. She like saw me because it was off in the corner of the soccer field where we were playing soccer at. Went up to the teacher, told the teacher, hey, listen, see that girl right there? She's been doing this. And the teacher gave me that look like, oh, not again. This wasn't a first time this had happened, but she had four or five boys sitting there like puppy dogs, like, show us again, show us again. And she was flashing them and laughing and running away. And they're like, show us one more time. She's flashing them running away. I don't know why this girl didn't, this little girl didn't have a bra on or whatever. It was just, it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, what the heck is going on? That was the moment I'm like going, where's my daughter going to school? Was I started freaking out like, what's happening here? Why is not anyone seeing this? Well, I'm just painting the picture for everybody out there. These things were happening when we were little kids. There's not a day that goes by where a younger preteen kid comes to my office and like, man, like kids are vaping in my school. This is happening. And these things are happening at such a fast rate. They're trying to make sense of it because their survival in these social situations feels like it could be determined based upon them knowing what's going on. And if they don't know what's going on, a lot of times they play like they do know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, by the way, I'm just talking in lots of different angles to help help you kind of paint this scenario of they're constantly uploading information. Kids are the best networkers of all time. They will share a rumor, information before social media ever came out faster than anyone else. Mm -hmm. That's how stuff, rumors and stuff gets across schoolyards. But when it comes to pornography... When it comes to sexuality, these have always been difficult talks for parents to have. Parents, in my opinion, have a whole lot less of excuse of not knowing how to have these conversations now because there's a lot of good information. And I'm assuming you may get some good bits and pieces from listening to this podcast today. It is up to us as parents to educate ourselves and to get comfortable 
talking at age-appropriate levels of language that you feel would match the understanding of your kids. When you're dealing with someone at 10 years old, most people know you don't talk to a 10-year-old the same way you're going to talk to a 15-year-old. But an error that a lot of parents make when they're talking to their kids about sex is they get so inside of their head about telling their kids, and they're so horribly uncomfortable when they're talking about this, they're shaking, they're sweating, they're trying to use big words that the kids are like, wait, I've never even heard of that word. And now you <laughs> gave a whole story based upon that one word because you weren't comfortable as a parent talking a little bit more direct about this. So I really like this documentary, how it kind of maps out conversations of the body, the brain, relationships, and the world. But it gives a good blueprint of what I'm about to say. If your kid is of a younger preteen age, try and find words that you would use in your own vocabulary to express these conversations. Do not try and be a therapist. Do not try to copy and paste other people's words to the T. Find words that they're going to feel comfortable with. Well, find words that you're going to feel more comfortable sharing so that they can see that you're talking about something and you're not freaked out. Because as we talk about modeling, they're watching you and your body language, and then they're hearing the words to see if that matches up with your body language. If you're sweating bullets, but then you're talking like a professor and using really big words, something's wrong there. Why using these big words and why are you getting really nervous? So my go-to with parents is when I'm talking with them, now granted, this isn't counseling on, on, on the podcast as you hear every single time you listen to it, but what I'm talking to parents, I'm just asking them, okay, well, when you guys talk about, I don't know, food or this or that, whatever, what are type of words that you usually use? They say, okay, well, healthy, okay. Healthy is a word that we can use in this conversation or not healthy. That's easy for them to understand. Healthy is usually something that you're doing or putting in your body or you're something that you're Healthy's doing. Healthy is good. Exactly. <laughs> that is not harming you. Unhealthy is something that is harming you. So using metaphors to have these conversations are huge. But don't practice talking to your kids by talking to your kids and getting that repetition, that experience. Like don't make your first time having this conversation be with your kids because you're trying to sort out inside your mind how to say it, what words you use, and you're going back and forth and you lack confidence while you're saying it. Your kids aren't understanding what's your intention. And then you're going to look at them and say, so did that make sense? And of course they're going to say, yeah. And if they don't say, yeah, and they're brave enough to say no, then you're going to go, okay, let me restate everything, but make the story longer so you can sit here for two hours instead of 20 minutes and hear this conversation. Because now what you're doing is you're telling them, you should be uncomfortable because I'm uncomfortable. You can't have these conversations because they're too hard to have. Here's the other side that parents go to that are, so there are the parents that are overly guarded, super uncomfortable, so they lack the confidence on speaking. Then I get the other parents. They say, well... I'm just going to say, it. you know, you watch pornography, masturbate. This is what happens. That's just life. You're going to learn from the world anyways. And the other spouse is going, wait, why did you just say it like that? So I'm just tired of beating around the bush. They just need to know from us. And out of the frustration that you can't be honest and talk to them, someone just blurts it out. I've had that happen to a lot of parents. That usually is, can cause some contention, especially if the family split up 
And one parent says it, and the other parent was like, I did not give you permission to talk about this, let alone say it so bluntly like that, that was just way inappropriate for the kid. So kind of finding somewhere in the middle is going to take practicing how to have this conversation with your friend, spouse. Second, well, not necessarily in this order, Second, you're going to have to look at what is the best way to have this conversation with your kids, but most places are going to tell you what is the best way for you to tell them. I'm saying start with what is the best way for you to get comfortable about having the conversation so that when you go and have the conversation, it's a conversation and not a really weird, scared lecture that you need your kids to tell you that they're not looking at porn so you can feel like you can check that box, you did that, and you can move away from it. This should be an ongoing conversation that you should start with them. This video is why I was so happy when I saw this video. I told the people there, I'm like, thank you for doing this. It's a linear process. It's factual, it's relationship-based, and it gives a perspective of what's happening in our society. They said many times in these documentaries, we're saying these are the potential harmful effects for people who go down this path and it becomes an issue. We're not saying that everybody has an issue with pornography because that's a fact. Not everybody is going to be addicted to pornography. That's like not everyone that has a sip of alcohol is going to become an alcoholic. So if you can start from a place where let's bring the information to our kids, let's have a good structure of how we're going to bring the information and we have to find words that are common words. Use metaphors to help you express, because that's why that's what metaphors are there for anyways. You're talking about this topic over here, which is pornography, but you're talking about something else over here to make the point about pornography. I like what you're saying about when you, if, if you were to sit down and, and watch this show with your kids, this documentary, there's gonna be automatic questions that come from people. Oh, and by the way, the reason why they split it up in three, so you can have the conversations after the first one. In my opinion, the first one, the second one, the third one, the third one's a boom. That's the hardest one to swallow for yeah. people. You may not share the third one with your youngest kid, but share the third one with your older kids. But I really like, I mean, if we hadn't had our No Nut November situation last week, um... I would have rather had like this entry into like, let's sit down and let's watch this and let's talk about some, you know, did you understand the words? Do you have any questions? Or from with my kids, they probably would have just spewed out the questions and not even needed any prompting. But now I feel like after we had that conversation, um, we kind of spin that conversation into a different abstinence program for the rest of November. Um, we chose to do a no swearing November that we were all going to kind of work on our, our language and kind of did a twist in our family. But I, I really could see now having had that conversation, which for me, it circled around the next morning. I found out, we talked about it, whatever. Now having that conversation having this this documentary, I think that would really add to the conversation that we had last week. Um, I just think I would have rather maybe arrived at it through me deciding, hey, let's sit down and watch this rather than kind of well, that. You're caught off guard because it just happened. And yeah. so if we'd had this conversation before, you probably would have been able to respond a little bit more clear, a little bit more precise, but you're caught off guard. Parents... 
our kids don't say, hey, next week I'm going to drop a bomb on you. Just be ready. Okay. So one thing I want to add um, to really drive this home with people, because as I'm talking around things, I, I realize that sometimes I have to narrow it down to be more specific, like a good suggestion what to do. I was really trying to say, find parallel conversations that you've already had with your kids in your families and then refer to this difficult conversation about pornography and connect it to a parallel conversation that you've already had so that their brain has a little bit of a breadcrumb to go back to some simple truths. So here's an example just off the top of my head. Having the conversation about No Nut November would have been, in my experience, this probably would have been a good approach to have it. So they say, hey, what does this mean? Say, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't really know entirely what this means. I think I have an idea, but I'm going to go check it out. Let me let me look it up online. Let me stuff like that. And let's talk about this later on tonight after I kind of have some better information because I don't want to speak on something I don't know a lot about. By the way, parents, that's a really good way to model for your kids <laughs> that been first great. thing because I wish my parents would have said, I'm not going to speak about a lot of things in depth that I don't know a lot about. I'm just going to pretend I know a lot about because I'm scared of this thing that you want to talk to me about. So instead you say, let me go find out. Then you come back. I would explain it like this. Hey, let's say this family... Um, Let's say it's my family. Let's say in my family, we talk a lot about food, health, and stuff like that, because what my wife does for a profession. I'd say, listen, No Nut November is very similar to what we've talked about in the past. When Remember when your dad, me, after we I had my heart surgeries and after I had these things, you remember I was eating totally different, and when we're going out, I was like... I was like looking like I was tired, like I was going to die. <laughs> and, you know, my daughter would be like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that, dad, because I was no carbs. This, by the way, I'm talking about when I was on the ketogenic diet. And I would tell her, said, the reason why I wasn't eating sugars and I wasn't doing these things is because I found out that this was very unhealthy for my body. I was not treating my body good. Now, sugars and those things... I ate a lot of it and it wasn't making me feel good, but it didn't kill me, but it didn't make me feel healthy. And I feared that I was going to have more problems in the future if I didn't handle this. So what No Nut November is, some people believe and some people have issues with their body in a different way. So for some people, they touch themselves in the inappropriate ways that we've already talked about in families. Remember how we told you you're not supposed to let a person touch you in their private areas? Well, sometimes people do that and they know it's unhealthy. It doesn't make them feel good in the long run. And so they're trying to have a month to help them stop doing that much like I was trying to stop eating sugar and I was trying to stop doing these things. Now, let me be very clear. This is not the same thing. I'm saying it's like this thing over here. You'll see their brains going, oh, so this is a, a month where they're trying to be healthy in something that they think would make them feel better. I go, yeah, something healthy would make them feel better. Now, by the way, the way I'm saying this is you're posing a young boy who doesn't know this. You haven't had the sex talks. Like, so I, it's a way to touch upon it and show that you're not scared to have those conversations. And then you can say, you know what, this may be a good time for us to plan a family discussion about sex and about what that is and well, what this is, like why do human beings do this? 
in a little time out here about what the little scenario I was giving you, I think it's very difficult for us as adults to talk about something that is so common and so natural and brought your kids into this world, but you have to talk about them about something <laughs> that you don't want them to do, but yet you know they're going to do and they have to do. Right? That's yeah, why I said in our yeah. last podcast, eating, food, and sexual addictions, very, very complex because you're not... When someone says, I can't, you know, I can't stay on this diet, I can't do that, I just love these foods too much, they feel like a failure. But it's their brain is hardwired to eat crappy food because their brain likes sugary food. It's not their freaking fault. Like now, granted, I'm I'm saying that generally. I'm not saying it's not people's faults that they eat bad. I'm saying that it's not their fault. Their brain goes, huh? That's really good. Like that's not their fault. They, my brain, it's not my brain's fault. I like time. gummy bears. We're animals. Yeah, we are animals. <laughs> we like me like gummy bears. Huh? Right. So what I want to help, what I try to help people is separate the shame from the reality. Yeah. Because when you're talking about sexuality, if these things come to your family and your kids want to know, do not think you have to immediately answer those questions. You can be honest or you can say, you know what? This is a good conversation. Let me talk to your dad. Let me talk to your mom. Let me talk to my partner, whatever your situation is and say, let's plan a time for us to talk about because I think this is a really important conversation for us to have. So I want to make sure that we have a conversation not dropping you off at soccer practice in the five-minute <laughs> drive there because as parents, we hear those things, red lights go off. We start to fear, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And we're like, what can I say? What can I say? Buy yourself some time and say you'll talk about it later, but thank them for bringing it up. And if you can say that and say, hey, you never want to shame someone for asking a question. You never want to make them feel like they opened up Pandora's box. You can't handle it. But you also never want to talk about something you really don't know about either. Buy yourself some time. Circle back around after you decided how you want to talk about it, how you want to approach it. And with some of the older kids, you may say, hey, listen, after you talk to everybody, pull them aside. Listen, I can talk to you about it a little bit differently. I just... You know, you had some questions. It's not that I don't want to answer your questions, but in front of your little siblings, let's talk about that menu. Let's go to lunch tomorrow. We can have a talk about that. Your kids need to see you as a trusted resource of information. They can't see you as a trusted resource of information if you're A, lying. If you're freaking out while trying to give them the information, they're like, I just asked you what I thought was a simple question. What does no nut November mean, mom? And you're like, <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> and you're like panicking, right? The power of saying, I don't know, but let me find out, that makes you a trusted resource of information simply because you're not saying you have all the information, but you can be a support person to help figure out the information. They're coming to you because they think you would know. It doesn't mean you have to know everything. It doesn't mean you have to be an expert on it. But using metaphors, there are parallels to other conversations. That's a good idea, yeah. Another family, they had uh, an older sister who was in and out of drug rehab, they had the sex talk. They did this on their own. They just simply said, hey, you know how she's in the drug rehab place because, you know, she can't stop using drugs, right? Well, some people, they watch other people having sex and they like it so much that it becomes an addiction just like alcohol and heroin like your sister did. You know what the kids did? Oh, dang, I don't want to watch that stuff then. That's all the parallel they needed. They needed to see that this thing over here was associated with potential real harm because this family had had to go to psych hospitals right. to see this. Like these kids knew, oh, mom and dad, I get exactly what you're talking about. Use the parallel metaphors, 
find a way to use conversation to make conversation out of words that you already use. If you start talking and using big words that you're unsure of what they mean, you're going to look stupid. And you're not going to look like you're a confident person when you're talking and your kids are in doubt and question. They go, you know what? I don't know if mom, she didn't really convince me that this was something that it sounds like this was something, sounds like it's something different than what she says is. I know. Let me go ask Johnny down the street. He's 12. He'll know. <laughs> right. Right. Well, to everybody that's listening, you know, you're welcome for uh, <laughs> for talking about this because maybe... Like, I wouldn't have brought this up. I, I mean, I guess here's my problem. I have these older kids, right? I have this set of teenagers. I've already gone through sex talks with them. It's open. You know, there's there's the times that we joke, the times we don't. I know pretty much that they know, and it's not. But here now, I've got my littles. I keep calling them my littles. And in my mind, trying to protect them. They're still my babies. Yeah. And I think that both Eric and I were like, no, not our babies, not our precious, innocent babies. We're not ready. You're grieving another death. <laughs> I'm not joking. It, that that's it's so hard for parents to go, this is another life cycle node. This it is really, another change. Yeah. And when it comes, we are shocked. We're bewildered. We don't know what to do. I mean, I'm just, I'm surprised that it took us both off guard so much and knocked us off a little bit because it's not like we've never had kids grow up yet. But when you look at your baby, they are your baby. I don't know. I cannot get, I mean, here's the deal. Connor grew one inch in the last one month. He's, he's is well, growing in, in your in your guys' defense. When Corey passed, your older kids were already teens, and these kids were littles. You needed them to stay there as long as you possibly could, for you and your family to heal. This is the second wave and the second opportunity for you as a parent and for your husband as a parent to have. All the information you've learned through these past few years of the loss of your son and to do better. Because yeah, you've had those conversations with your kids, but I know you could have done them better with the information you know now. <laughs> right? It might be like, people have sex, they get pregnant, and that's what, then they get married. Just do it before you get married. I mean, do it, right? Never mind. I meant the other way around. I can see Heidi saying it's just like, I didn't mean before. I meant after. You know what I meant. Okay, that's it. Good talk. Bye. Are you totally, I mean, did he just nail it or what? That is exactly what happened. And it probably happened. Don't like, act like you don't know about this. <laughs> it probably happened like at Walgreens when we walked by condoms and they both said, hey, mom, what are these condoms for? You know what that is. <laughs> and I was like, we don't talk about those. So again, a oh, couple gosh, highlights, a couple takeaways. It's hard to talk about something that you're uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable with and expect your kids to learn from that. They're, too, they're paying too much attention to something's off with the body language. Something's not sounding right. So give yourself some time to get good information, come up the way you want to bring it to them, find some parallel metaphors so that they can actually connect and better understand with what you're saying, and then tell them these are conversations that you're thankful that they're bringing to the family. The only way that you guys as a family, and this is what you could say to your kids, the only way we're going to ever, the only way we're going to continue to grow and learn as a family is we actually need you to go to school 
hear things, fear, like be curious. <laughs> well, here's the thing is, this is what's going to happen. By the way, listen, I'm telling you to tell your kids to elicit this, to bring this to you because this is what's going to happen anyways. So you're going to say, I need you to go out. And by the way, family systems, this is a real thing. We need our kids to go out to the world, have experiences, come back. And then we look at the family. If we learn to be more accepting, more understanding, then we have to evolve to take on whatever the world is bringing at us. If we say, no, we don't have these conversations. We don't talk about these things. Then you shut the child down. Then this child goes, I got to go to the world to get all my information. I can't be a part of this family and still learn. I'm going to have to leave the family to learn. And that's not necessarily ideal because you don't want the kids to see black or white that my family is trusted or they're not trusted. So in this scenario, you're telling your kids, hey, we actually kind of need for you guys to help our family because you can't go out and make money and stuff. We need you to come home and tell us these things you're here in the playgrounds and bring this up to us. And then we'll figure it out together as a family because that helps us grow as a family as well. You need to just switch it. You need to reframe it so they're seeing that them coming to you with this information is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if you're super uncomfortable and if you can't say words that they're saying to you and you start to shake and quiver and you can't handle it, again, it doesn't look like you're capable of being able to have conversations that can help them learn. It looks like you're capable of having conversations that can scare them or maybe try to distract them from even wanting to talk about that in the first place. I mean, you could always video journal it. You could always video journal it first. <laughs> yes. Thank you for reminding all of our listeners See? your favorite tool. I am learning the benefits of knowing what your face looks like when you talk. It is people. so powerful. It really You've is. You've got to watch yourself talk. And if you do, for those who haven't listened before, video journal, pull out your cell phone, put it on airplane mode, record yourself, but not on selfie mode. You have to actually have your phone facing away from you so you can't see the screen and record yourself talking to your kid having this conversation. Then stop it, go back and press play and watch how you look. You will be better the fourth or fifth time you practice this than you will the first time. But once you see it the first time, you'll see, okay, I need to like, why was I cringing in that part of the statement? <laughs> why was I looking like someone's like, ah, scared to death? Or why was I brushing over this part? You need to be slow and steady because slow and steady is something that calms people. And probably makes some eye contact. Yeah. Slow and steady in, in, in your dialogue is usually what our brains associate with someone who's calm, collective, and can have a discussion. Fast, anxious, and bouncing all around, do a video journal to purge yourself of all those things. And then when you go talk to your kids, you've already practiced it, you've already found what words sound better, and your probability of having a better conversation with them is gonna be drastically increased. These conversations, there is no perfect version of these conversations. It's trial and error, but always bring the conversation to them if possible before they come to you and then thank them for every time they do bring stuff to you, it actually helps the family. Trust me, you may get a lot of things you didn't want to hear, but you'd rather have more information than less. I know that a lot of you who are listening have younger kids. Um, yeah, by the way, the whole pornography thing, the sex thing, I, I mean, there are certain Special occasions where you got to have it really young, specifically, sorry for everyone out there, but I talk to people get molested, sexually abused. Those conversations, it's a different conversation for that scenario, but if you have younger kids that have experienced traumas like that, 
please go talk to a therapist. Get them in to see a counselor, a real professional, and consult with your counselor and therapist how to have those conversations. But generally speaking, when they come to the preteen age or even before then, you want to start having small bite-sized versions of this conversation. Right. See what they know. See what they're curious about. And if you start to touch on some of these conversations and they look at you like, I just want to go watch cartoons. You're like, okay, they don't need this yet. <laughs> and then just keep it moving. Check in every now and then. Hey, you know, um, you know, I know a lot of kids talk about things in your school. Is there have you heard anything in your school lately that has has been something that or if you hear anything at your school lately that's been you don't understand or you're kind of wondering what these kids are talking about or mean or crude things? You can you can come and talk to me about them, and I'd be happy to have this conversation with you. Because yeah, I realize, just open that door. Yeah, as I realize you're getting older, instead of when you're younger, I used to like hide information from you because I want you to know. Now you're getting older. I'd rather have these conversations and and talk to you about it up front. Oh my gosh, they're going to be so honored. They're going to feel like wow, if I bring stuff home and bring it up to my parents, then I actually get to have conversations with my parents. I get to talk about things that I've been curious about. What I didn't know who to ask. Everybody wants a trusted resource. Everybody mm-hmm. wants a, a trusted adult or a trusted parent. Yeah. So anyway, I like I said, I said you're welcome. I'm also going to just add, and I'm so sorry that we had to have this conversation. Well, I think this was a good segue because <laughs> even though this wasn't about, last time was about pornography and this is about how to have the conversations yeah. about it. It's perfect. Um, it rolls off right from our last conversation because most people, okay, now that we watch the documentary, okay. Now what do we do? Well, and I wish that I could remember the exact phrase that is in the very last part of the that third um, documentary that it said, you know, we all have the information. This exists. Now what are we going to do with it? Basically, yeah. it was saying and taking action, I think, for every single one of us is having that conversation with our kids and spreading that message. And um, we can all definitely take part in that right now. And um, November, we don't have very much left in November, but from what I understand is the, the movie is free through November if for your own private viewing. I watched it on my phone. You know, and I'm going to talk to them too because um, one of the – it wasn't Clay, but the other guy there. He had said, you know, because he knows about what I do. And he's like, I, 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 yeah, for November for the public, but there might be a way we might be able to get some sort of affiliate link to, for our viewers and our, you know, our listener viewers, our listeners here at Light the Fight might be able to watch it longer. So I'll, that just reminds me, I'll, I'll check in with them, but definitely a, watch it sooner than later. Certainly it's, not a bad organization to, to support. Um, no, without a doubt. They're, they're doing you know. great work. And, what is also helpful is that they made this specifically for these videos to go out to schools because I think what they're seeing, the speaking has a powerful aspect of it, but just letting kids, I'm all about informed consent. Giving people information before they need the information is very valuable. And you know what? It's just so that you're not scared to watch a documentary. It's actually it's like funny. Oh, the narrator was a smart aleck. Like the it was kind of like sarcasm and like, yeah, it was funny. Awesome. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I'm watching it and all of a sudden there's this guy that I went to high school with. That's one of the doctors. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> it freaked me out. So. Well, in one of the part of the documentary, the narrator was like, it was super deep. And there was like, oh yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't have a joke for this one. Like, this is not funny. Right. And that was it. Like, and, that was funny. But it was super yeah. appropriate. Super it was appropriate. super appropriate. But for, for anybody who thinks this might be dry or it might be boring or it might drive your kids nuts, it's actually like the graphics and the videography. It's the music. Very well done. Stunningly well done. So don't be afraid to, to watch it. Yeah, this is not the 1980s VHS plug it in. <laughs> oh, top pornography. <laughs> you can tell that's must 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 have been what you got in your master's program. They they actually we actually had to watch pornography in our master's program. Oh, good grief! Not like okay, let me tell you, we weren't sitting down <laughs> watching pornographic films, but in human sexuality and this type of stuff. We actually had to watch some specific types of pornography with fetishes and stuff so that we could see this is not fake. You can have these people come across your room. And I could tell some people were sitting there watching. And I was sitting there going, dang, I didn't know that was a fetish. I was like, half the class was like, whoa. The other half of the class was like, half the class was Heidi's where they're like, the hand over their eyes and like they'd open up their fingers and they close it. And the other half would like, I was like, that's a thing? I'm like, I thought I saw everything. That was crazy. So Googling yeah, every Googling. dictionary. That was long. That was before Google. I'm, remember, I'm, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. Well, uh, anyway, you guys, I know that we sometimes, sometimes always here at Light the Fight, we address difficult topics. Um, but it is part of our world. It is part of our everyday. And, and I want to reaffirm that this is the stuff that – like David says, it happened when we were kids. It's really no different. It's just a lot harder when you when it's happening to your baby. So, um, thank you for listening, and uh, as always, thanks for helping us to light the fight. <laughs> <laughs>